0: Blue blue, blue,
1: Hello and welcome to the oncast. My name's Dom, it's one half of the oncast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello there. In this episode, we're going to continue our quarantine catch-up by talking about his dark materials, the BBC HBO series that originally aired in November 2019. We're also going to be talking about Golden Compass from 2007, which was the first attempt at an adaptation of Philip Pullman's book series. Yes. Yes. So this is a bit of a weird one. We've not really done this before, but but basically, yeah, like we said, we're going to be talking about both a TV show and a movie, uh, both of which have been adapted from the same source material. So the source material being the Philip Pullman His Dark Materials series, um, which is a trilogy of books. It's since been expanded on um i think before we get, get into the actual show and tv and movie and all that stuff it's all about our experience with the books
0: yeah so so
1: for me the books i literally i read them when i was at school so when i was a teenager when i was like at that sort of age where you're reading harry potter and all the rest of it um and i must have read it when i was probably i don't know 14 13 maybe younger even okay um and I haven't read them since. I kept mean to go back and read them, but other things keep getting in the way. Um, but I remember as a kid, like being sort of fascinated by it and getting really like deep into it and writing stuff about it and saying, you know, I was I was really really into it at the time. Uh, um, okay. And so yeah, well, I, when I and I heard that they made the movie and I heard that it wasn't that great, so I avoided it. And then when I saw they were making the series, I was really excited about it. Um, but that's it, that's me in the nutshell. But like I say, having read them that long ago, my mm. memory of what happens in the story beats isn't as you know, isn't that great. I know the main story beats, I know what's gonna happen. I can't remember all the intricacies of it and who and all the you know little plot details. Um, yeah. I'm But then yeah, what about you a bit of both really? So
0: I came to this really late. Mm. So I came into this like End of twenty eighteen. Right, yeah. So uh we'll do the uh like xylophony like tinkly flashbacky sounds.
2: <clears> throat> and,
0: throat> <laughs> and um so back then I was single and I was dating and I was talking to a girl at the time who we were talking about books. And we were saying about what books we were reading at the time. And it got to a point and we were both finishing up a book at the time. We're like, right, this will be a fun exercise. What book should you recommend that I read? And what book should you recommend that you read? Sort of thing. So we swapped books to um, sort of give one another to read. And then, um, yeah, so we swapped these sort of book recommendations and then um halfway through um, so I was ha- probably a third, maybe halfway through the first Northern Lights.
1: Right, so what you recommended the original his dark materials? Yeah. Then. Cause
0: I we were talking about different books and I was like, oh, I would recommend um I think I recommended Lord of the Flies because we were talking about books that we'd missed like classic books and
1: it's fine. like I said so so. no one I was going no it was like the necronomicon or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's 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 not so much a bedtime reader i mean lord of the flies isn't either really but
1: no, really. um
0: it's like a classic book because we were yeah. talking about some some deep some deep meanings mm. um and yeah we were talking about that and then got halfway through the book and uh, she bit me off and I was like, oh, okay, fuck this. So I put it down. Um, and then sort of early last year, I ended up picking the book up again and being like, you know, I think I'm going to give this a shot.
1: So I lent you my copy, the copy. That at one point you had my, well, that's,
0: that that was copy. the book that I borrowed when I was talking to, um, girl a. Oh,
1: right. Okay. And so you, you uh, had my, my copy of Northern lights was in your possession for the, you know about two years
0: entirety of 2019
1: (laughs) and that is literally the copy that i read as a kid and like went (laughs) on my school skiing trip you know year eight or whatever that is the same copy that you then had and (laughs) read
0: so it saw you through puberty and it saw me through heartbreak
1: um
0: (laughs) it wasn't really heartbreak uh it was never going to work we were my demon
1: yeah my demon changed shape whilst i was reading it that's how Jesus, that's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's, a, that's a
0: mental image I never wanted to see. Um, <laughs> did it drop? Um, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then I started reading it again last year when there was talk around the TV show mm. and um, read it, really enjoyed it and then had some credits on Audible and got the second one, then got the third. Really enjoyed it, and then that happened to come out the same time that The Secret Commonwealth did, right? Which is the fifth book,
1: but the fourth yes. book, yes. So, yeah, basically, what's happened with this series is there was an original trilogy which was written and it was kind of written around the same sort of time as Harry Potter, so it was like early 90s into the 2000s. Um, and it was, um, Northern Lights was the first book. That yeah. in America, that was called the um, Golden, Golden Compass, which is where the film gets his name from. Um, and then the second book was The Subtle Knife, and the third book was The Amber Spyglass. Yeah. And then since then, he's now gone back and has been creating a new trilogy, and he's still in the midst of doing that now. But in terms yeah, of the timeline, The Book
0: of Dust.
1: Yeah, they're called The Book of Dust. Um, but and then, then, in terms the of the timeline,
0: is La Belle yeah. Sauvage, which is a prequel to um, the entirety of the series. And yeah. then there's the secret Commonwealth, which is a sequel. Yeah. Now so sort of, to yeah. talk about anything that happens in the secret Commonwealth is fairly major spoiler territory. Yeah. So I won't talk about anything to do with that. But what I will say is that this, that, that LaBelle Sauvage is um, actually the end of Belle Sauvage is shown at the start of his Dark Materials HBO TV show
1: yeah yeah no I'd heard that as well and it's uh, my understanding of the Bells large is that it gets into the characters of Asriel and um Mrs Coulter and you get more time with them and understand their backstory better um, you do I yeah guess.
0: so you get to understand their relationship more you get to understand who they are a little bit more not, not grossly in depth it mm. is very much about two other characters that are in there at the time mm. well in fact more um but it's really it's good like it falls into a few plot holes and tropes that i don't like but a lot of what happens in there is really interesting it sheds a lot of light on the whole sort of law as well but that's basically so basically last year in a very short period of time i ended up reading his dark materials then audibleing all the rest and then as the tv show came out um I finished it all up, and we were gonna watch it, and then my girlfriend started reading the book. So she read your book as well. Yeah. And then she bought the second and third and read yeah. those, and then she took a little break, and then it's taken for us to get into lockdown to actually watch the show. So that's yeah. sort of where how we got to this uh, to this stage as well.
1: Mm. So, um, so I I was yeah I was anticipating the series. I'd meant to go back and read the books, but last year I got into this Stephen King black hole. Um, and if you go back and look at our episodes that we did last year, you'll realize how much Stephen King we did. and I tried to read as many of those books as I could. So it meant that, that sort of took up all my reading time last year. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get an opportunity to go back and read them. But when the series launched in November, mm-hmm. I was all over it and I watched it week on week. Yeah. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to talk about when we get onto the series about how it compares watching it week on week versus what I assume you guys did, which is to sort of binge it.
0: Well, we watched it in, so what were there, eight episodes? And we watched it in, I think it was three sittings. Yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. So we watched the first two episodes in one go. Mm. And then the next night we watched three. And then the next night we watched three. So, yeah, three sittings that we did it across four days. I think it was four or five days. Yeah. So,
1: whereas mine was eight weeks watching one every Sunday night or whatever.
0: So, (laughs) yeah. So, like, we got a different, very different experience. And, like, I'd actually sort of partly, so we can go back to slightly my, uh, the mystical heyday of when Tom worked in a video shop. <laughs> that was one of the, oh, no, it was, it, was actually, it was actually much after that. I don't know why I remember it. This is one of those weird false memories. That I remember seeing the Golden Compass whilst I was working at Blockbuster. But it wasn't actually on. Well, no, yeah, it wasn't even even released until way after that. But I have a weird Yeah, the Golden Comics came out
1: in 2007.
0: Yeah. Which. Oh, no. Yeah, so I was at university. Mm. Fuck. Weird. Yeah. Brains are weird, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Um, I think so now that we've sort of established where we are at in terms of books, I think. What we've both done now, we've so we got into these this series, and what we thought we'd do as part of an exercise for the purposes of the podcast is go back and watch the movie, which at this point yeah. I'd never seen it, and neither had you, um, and we just thought it would be interesting to sort of see. Right, well, obviously they in, originally intended for it to you know be a full trilogy at least. Yeah, I mean, we're very movie. much
0: sort of on our own brand here of doing a grand rewatch.
1: Yeah, but oh, <laughs> exactly. So we thought. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I know that it's not meant to be good, but now that we've had something different, maybe go back and see what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And so last night I watched *The Golden Compass*. Um,
0: yeah, what? I, I want to know what you think about it because I yeah. So tell me, give me a little bit of a rundown about what
1: you thought. Well, like literally, so it was the biggest sort of shot. So I was I was like catching up. So again, for the purposes of us talking about it, I've rewatched the series. Having watched it back when it was on, I've sort of shotgunned it over the last week or so. Again, we're in lockdown, so I've just had it on in the background or whatever. But then I got really into it towards the back end and was watching the episodes properly. So yesterday, I watched the finale of um, His Dark Materials, the TV show, and then literally, immediately, it finished, and then I put the *Golden compass on. Oh, shit. Yeah, And that's... the fucking the whiplash that I felt was incredible because the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me for the golden compass is just the pace that it moves at Mm. is relentless. It is mental. How quick and everything, everything's exposition characters make ridiculous leaps of logic to get them from one point to another because it's, it's, it's the same story essentially, but the golden compass is an hour and 45 minutes long yeah it's not it's it's really short and it's not like this that epic, long no and... it's this epic story with all these different intricacies and like different factions of people and loads of shit going on and like big like themes and stuff which we'll get into later and they try and cram it into an hour and 45 minutes like the golden compass or northern lights whatever that story should not have the same running time as bloodshot <laughs>
0: Bloodshot shouldn't have had the running time that it did.
1: Exactly, but that's just insane. And I'm reading about it and going into it is like, yeah, studio interference. There's like at one point the director quit and then got hired back again after the fact. The studio like forced him to hire people like Ian McKellen because they were trying to make it more like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, and all this sort of stuff going on. And yeah, and the fact that and you can see it was meddled with and and the the edit the cut was like. They destroyed it. Even Philip Pullman himself has said he really didn't like the the final edit of the movie. He he never said he didn't like the movie. He said he didn't like the final edit. Okay. And you can tell by watching it, it was edited to within an inch of its life. Christ, um, was it? Yeah, it was mental. I mean, I, I mean, it's not without some merits. I like some of the cast and stuff, but just having One gone thing- straight from the series to that, it was just mm-hmm. fucking jeez, any criticism that I had over the series I went actually no I take all that back no you're fine <laughs> like <laughs> I was wrong um what did you think of the film anyway
0: honestly very very much the same yeah it's one of those things where I was just like I've gone from so in the last year I've gone from reading to audiobook to eight hours of build up to an hour and, and so like 105 minutes of all of that condensed yeah so there are things that and you're like there there are one thing that i would say there, there are correlations into things that happen uh which i will check in a minute actually because I, I don't want to be wrong on this but there are things that happen in both the tv series and the film that don't happen in the book yeah but so there are changes that they make to one thing that they don't make in the others yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, and is it Siri, shut up, well, you've never been on before. why are you talking now? What's wrong with you? leave me alone, you're not my real dad
1: <laughs> um
0: uh, but yeah, yeah there are, there are like these big leaps, but also, like you say, like I mean, I think like having Siri and McKellen as uh. <laughs> Yorick um, Bernstein. yeah Berenstein, Uh Berenstein sorry um, is brilliant he's, a, he's an amazing choice for that guy I mean he's very wasted but at the same time he's brilliant but the whole oh, time yeah. you've got to remember that they're like this is a franchise now this is a franchise now and it's that thing like we've spoken about in the past where they've built up for a franchise and they're like right this is going to go here but it's not going to finish in the way that would make it satisfying if it was one film.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's one thing that I really think,
0: troubled me, and I think that's where a lot of this feedback has come from, is how jarring the ending is.
1: Yeah, the ending is like, because, the, yeah, the main thing, the, the thing with the, this series is that it is not, it's, it's mischaracterized as a um, YA novel thing, I think, because it's so much darker than that and more complicated and difficult. And it's like, and it's not simple. Like to me, the way I always thought of these books and this series is that it was like if Harry Potter at the time was mm. star Wars, his dark materials was star Trek. Right. In a way, like yeah. it was the Harry Potter was the popularist, Everyone loves it. Everyone gets on with it. It's not too geeky. It's not too German. You know I Everyone It's just easy. It's fun. Those are the bad guys. These are the good guys. Simple everyone knows where their place whereas star trek was is the more complicated i know it's all about ethics and morality and you know is it right to intervene in this and yeah and and it's all a lot more complicated you have to really spend some time delving into it to really get the most out of it and that's what i feel his dark materials is as well
0: yeah and that's one that's one thing that i would always say that i don't always think hits home that well in the books is the um The anti-religion rhetoric yeah yeah it feels quite forced at some point it never feels particularly natural Mm. in some aspects of it some of it feels absolutely perfect and there are some things that happen in the books and I'm like why the fuck is that yeah but at the same time like they completely almost completely ignore it at this point in both the tv show and the film
1: yeah, I mean, obviously that that's the biggest difference between the two adaptations, obviously, and that's the thing that the the film will criticized for is is taking that out um, because it was there are a lot of this um, religious subtext or anti-religious subtext even, and that's yeah. what the story is about to a certain. Again, that as a subject matter is a really hefty thing. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about what the story is or what, what these the series is even <laughs> yeah, about. Fact, yeah, so good point. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> so principally, this story is um, the Northern Lights or is Dark Materials or the Golden Compass in whichever way you want to name
2: It's
0: mm-hmm. the story of a young girl called Lyra who is um, on a quest, basically. She's on a quest to have an adventure and to do a lot of fun so she in in the meantime a lot of things happen but principally she wants to travel to somewhere i'm not doing this any credit i think you might need to help me out on this i'm trying to do it without spoiling it but the
1: the first thing that the first main sort of world building thing that they do in this is that this is meant to be another world yes that we are experiencing and that's you know standard um Sci- you know, not sci fi, but a sound of fantasy YA novel fair is that it's set in a world that is similar but not like, but isn't ours. And the biggest point of difference in this is that they have demons, and what demons are yeah. is, is this idea that your soul, um, is a personified thing and it takes the form of an animal that can speak to you and has to follow you around everywhere you go. And it can't be too far away from you, but that is actually part of you and your soul. And you have like this spiritual bond yeah. with this creature. And then there, and then there's loads of lore and stuff built into that. So they've got this idea about the idea that children's demons can change shape and turn into different animals at any time. And then there comes a point in their, growth during adolescence when the demon stops being able to change and settles yeah and that's like a, is a metaphor for them them growing up and achieving and you know sort of becoming adults and that is like the central sort of a lot of the story centers around that as a concept and essentially what it what well, the main thrust of the story is is that is lyra she has a demon she has her uncle, um, Lord Asriel, who in the film was played by Daniel Craig in the movie, um, in the TV show.
0: Like,
1: tell, tell me about <laughs> it. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> poor bastard. Um, and in the TV show, it's played by James McAvoy. Um, and the idea is that he's doing some sort of experiments and he's starting to poke at the notion of what demons are, how they work... And this concept of dust, which is a whole big thing. And like you say, the second series is called The Book of Dust. Essentially, what it boils down to is that he is challenging the status quo of the religion, which is the magisterium. Yeah. And the magisterium are a thinly veiled metaphor for the Catholic Church, <laughs> essentially. Um, well, not even the
0: Catholic it, Church. Uh, the Church. It's the not church, so much yeah, the Catholic exactly, Church, yeah. because there's a line that I will... Um, Find before the end of this episode, which describes Philip Pullman's um, feelings on religion and Christianity to a T.
1: Right. So, um, but yeah. So that not only do you have this whole thing of Lyra going out, it, it's like a coming-of-age story, going out, and finding out about her parents and her life and all that, all that sort of stuff. You also have this this subplot underneath it all, which is that. This guy Azriel is attempting to take on the um, the status quo and and shake things up by doing experiments because the idea is that the the Magisterium is able to rule and change the world because they can claim that there is a physical representation of something like a soul, which is very much a metaphysical idea. But they yeah. because of that, the world is different. So the world that we're meant to be in, Lyra's world, is like 2019, but everything's progressed at a different stage because of religion So, like all technology and stuff isn't there because they're, they they've got some evidence. They've got some solid, no, look, that's your demon there. Do you know what I mean? So the whole world
0: of like, of how society has moved on has, it's not so much gone at the same speed as ours, but it's, it's had a lot more time to rest. It's, you know, we've had these answers for the longest time, Like the, the church has taken over and has, like held a lot of this stuff back, so yeah. electricity exists and vehicles exist, but they don't exist in the same way. It's almost like it's about a hundred years behind. Yeah, it's like a steampunk
1: then, aesthetic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, one of the, and that's yeah, and then one of the um, major points that the magisterium follows is that they believe that um, dust in itself is an, is like a corp is like a physical. Uh, they believe it's of sin. They believe, yeah, they, they believe it's, it's original sin. sin.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then because there's some idea that children don't have dust, whereas adults do. And dust is this again is like in the books, dust is capitalised with the, you know, and you realise that what they're talking about is not just dust that collects on a shelf; it's something bigger than that. And pretty much the thrust of the entire series is finding out what dust is. Um, but in this first yeah. story that's told in this in the first series of His Dark Materials and in the Golden Compass it's about what the Magisterium believes it is what Azrael believes it is and the conflict that arises from that difference of opinion
0: Yeah, and um, it's, it seems again, to be this point where the Magisterium are out to stop him he's out to achieve his goal mm. and Lyra is out to join him basically she's trying yeah. to get to Lord Azrael.
1: Yeah uh, but then, so it's well, a fairly simple
0: that, but, like the framework in itself is fairly simple and fairly straightforward
1: well you say that because but then there's the whole um, roger uh, of it and billy costa because that's the yeah. driving force particularly in the series it's about say because what happened what another element of it the, the sort of um, inciting incident if you like at the beginning is that kids are starting to go missing in and around <laughs> yeah. Oxford, where the story starts and we don't know where they're going Again, this is down to what the Manchesterium are doing and what they believe dust is and the experiments and stuff they're running. You find that out later. But the main thrust of it for Lyra is that friends of hers, children, are going missing as well as th- there's a whole um, sect of people called the Gyptians. Their kids keep going missing because they like are sort of perceived as the underclass, if you like. And so the authorities aren't looking into it. They don't care that all these ki- children are getting stolen. mm mm-hmm and
0: there's so many layers of complexities in it like there's a really interesting um like parallel especially with the the terminology in which they use it's like a lot of stuff that philip Pullman has put in there for example we say about egyptians Mm. um is because you can't uh, say gypsy well well, you can you can say Gypsy (laughs) because gypsy is that that's where it comes from Yeah, that's where the word is is like its origin is from gypsy so it's that's how it sits within that sort of um that's how it sort of sits within um this universe is it's the same but very slightly different
1: yeah and Um, i mean you can probably tell from the way we've We've just attempted to <laughs> summarise what it's, the story is. You can tell what, I'm, what we're saying in terms of this being complicated. Yeah. It is a really complicated story. And yeah. when you think of trying to pack all that in, we haven't even talked about the bears.
0: <laughs> no. and
1: that's... That, Or we haven't even talked about Lee Scoresby or half of the characters that turn up in it. And then to try and cram that into an hour and 45 minute movie, forget it. Yeah, it's not going to work. you you just can't. You can't do it. Oh yeah, and 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 there's witches, and (laughs) there are witches, (laughs) um, and the alethiometer, which is what the title is, and how that works, and that's where the title of the film comes from. So, like all these things we haven't even mentioned yet, because we're just trying to set up what the story's about.
0: (laughs) No, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's it's really it's so dense and so complicated. But I think principally what we're trying to get at is the story is. Uh, Lyra is trying to find her friend, but she's also trying to meet her uncle at the same time. And yeah, as destiny has it, there's a bit of a parallel in the way that that works. I yeah. mean, if you've seen either the film or read the book or understand the story, like that's where it's going to go. And I think we can get into spoiler territory here because of the age of all yeah. of this stuff.
1: Um, I mean, but- the film. Yeah, I mean, we'll sort of wrap up our our thoughts on the film before we move on to the series, because obviously the series has got a lot more. Um, me yeah um yeah like i said i think the the cars do their best but i do feel like a lot of them are wasted i mean yeah daniel craig um is fine as azriel he's a lot more likable and they try they soften him up big time
0: yeah and i think that was going to be led to for the for again spoilers the big turn that was going to get yeah. i think that that was sort of leading it in so it would have like a darth vader moment
1: i guess so but I feel like if they carried on, they would have they would have changed it. I think if they really? had got to yeah, I don't think they would have gone with that. I think they would have they they just they were so gun shy about the whole, all the sort of dark elements of that story. Um, just you think about like the kids at Bolvanga and what happened to them. They didn't really show any of that. There was no none of the darkness from
0: no you're from right. the book.
1: It was there, and I feel they would have had it's it be
0: excellent if you think something. about it. Really, like
1: yeah. It's well, it's toothless. But then the weird thing is, they do—they do have the um, the bear fight, and they have it more accurate to the books in the movie. Because in the movie, he rips his uh, in the books and the, and in the movie, he punches he his jaw off. He rips his fucking jaw off, which they didn't do in the sh- in the TV show. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, so that's typical Americanism, isn't it? It's like, no, violence is fine, but don't you do anything to do with religion or sex?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Got, and no, is, you can eat is, someone.
0: It's madly. Like you can literally punch somebody's jaw off their face, but you can't. You can't say bad. You can't say hell.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's um and they do they hint at the wider thing. So that they have like, and again, it's really interesting comparing the two because there are certain scenes that are like for like. So there's there are a couple of scenes with Mrs. Coulter and Lyra, which play out in very yeah. similar ways, and you can literally go watch them side by side. And there's this, you know scenes where they, they talk about what the experiments that are being done at Bolvanga and why they're being done and what they're hoping to achieve.
2: Mm.
1: And then yeah, in the series they get a lot more in depth about it and they're a lot more explicit about it. In the film, it's like, oh, our ancestors just did something wrong and now we're paying the price for it.
0: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: In, and like uh, you, you're talking about original sin, aren't you? You mean you mean sin? And then no, we all in get the this. Seri- in the in the series, it's like Adam and Eve, they ate an apple. Because, the, because we ate an Apple, now we're paying for it for the rest of our lives. It's like, oh, fuck, you're not putting any punches. Like, no. you're, you're literally laying it out. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, dear. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in that seamless transfer where we didn't definitely stop recording and I went and have my dinner, we <laughs> are going to talk about the show.
1: Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, I think what's interesting about when we're comparing both of them, I feel like they both suffer from the same problem and that is pace. Yeah. In a completely opposite way. So like I said, where the, the film tries to cram in too much and the, it's just got this breakneck, ridiculous pace. Whereas the show can feel really slow at times, particularly the first few episodes. Um, I don't know if you felt that having binge watched it.
0: Uh No. To be honest. So the first two episodes, because we watched them, we watched the first one and we were like, right, what we'll do is we'll, because we had like a TV program that we used to watch every Sunday night. Mm. And then when that finished, we were like, oh, we'll watch Is Dark Materials. So we put the first one on and we got to the end of that and we were like, well, we can't just leave it here. No. So we went straight into the next one. Yeah, sure. Um, which I think might lie the issue that you might have had with it, because with us it was really straightforward. Like we mm. watched, we watched it over the course of a week. So we watched yeah. Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I think.
1: Right. Um, I, no, well, I think I think the thing with me is it's not so much me. Like I was invested, and I was always going to watch the whole series. I think the problem mm. is is with this show trying to find its audience. So I know you know friends of mine who I said, "Oh, you should watch this," who hadn't read the books before. And I was like, no, 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 trust me, this is going to be amazing. And they sort of fell off after the first couple of episodes because it was just too slow. Yeah. And I think if you look at it from a sort of you know macro point of view, it's episode four is the one where they get to the north. And you yeah. meet Lee Scoresby and Yorick and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like they just needed one less episode. I think like if you'd done it after two episodes and then got to the north, then it would right. have been – it, it drives thing just a little bit too much. But at the same uh, time, that was tricky, all really it? important because you need to set up Miss Coulter and spend a decent amount of time with her, which is something they didn't do in the film. Um, no,
0: God no! Like that—that's one of the main issues that I have with Coulter is yeah. that in the film, not only was her accent fucking awful, but um, you just got no time with her. No, like there were a few bits here and there, and but that was about it. And you were like, "Oh, we're oh we're just we're just moving on, are we?"
1: Okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so yeah, in the film it was um, Nicole Kidman. In the show it's Ruth Wilson and Ruth Wilson is amazing.
0: She's fucking brilliant. She's so she? good.
1: And yeah, and like, I think again, that's something that they really get into in the show and it's the real complicated relationship between her and Lyra and the same with Azriel, and it is so complicated. There's so many different layers to it. <laughs> They're so, and like, and it, they allow that to breathe and they allow that to... And again, it means that retro- when you get to the later episodes and the later scenes when they're reunited again, it has that much more substance because you bothered spending the time early on. Yeah. But I think what they could have done is like weave things in better. So like you hear a lot about what's going on with Azriel throughout the series. They get, oh, yeah. Asriel's here, Asriel's there, or he's off doing this or we're seeking it. But you don't see him because James McAvoy is very expensive, I imagine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so what that means is you can only have james mcavoy for the first episode and the last episode and like five minutes of the penultimate one but you can't have him for the whole series because he's a very busy man he's a movie star um
0: he's about to do the audio adventure of sandman
1: yes i saw that that cast is insane Yeah, Um, mad but um but i think that could have been like if you'd weaved in what was going on with him so like later on like you would realize that Lyra's kind of following his trail and she's where he was you know a week ago or whatever so if we'd seen some of that and got more time with him because mcavoy is we i mean we've talked about how much we love mcavoy on this show before mm. but he's great in this he's so good as Azrael and he's a complete arsehole um exactly like he is in the in the book
0: yeah, he does um, such a better job than Craig did. Like Craig was in it, but he was like this—I don't know—he was like this wholesome.
1: Yeah, he was fine. Figure, he was like they, he
0: was a bit like here, there, and then it was like he's in three parts of the film or two parts of the film that are yeah largely disconnected from anything else. And you're like, Daniel Craig wasn't really on set with anyone, was he at uh, this point?
1: Like, no, he had one scene with with Lyra, um, and that's about it. And then you don't really see anything more of him. And and then again, the scene with Lyra was just going, her like shouting like ridiculous non sequiturs, like, oh, well, dust has got something to do with our demons, hasn't it? And uh, How the fuck do you know that? (laughs) What, 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 like, You're making jump. And he goes, yes, no, yes, bye. And then he's off. And that was it. Whereas this, yeah, he, he does this big, like I say, in the first episode, you get this, him presenting to the, um, to the Jordan college about what he's been discovering and asking for more funding. And that really sets up this whole idea of it being, they said, we can't be even, we can't be listening to this is heretical. And we, we can't, you know, go any further with this. And it's like shutting him down because he's like pushing for more knowledge. And they're like, no, it's like the dark time, dark ages. You hear of the stories of, you know, people like, um, Copernicus and all these like these people who first theorised that you know maybe the earth isn't the centre of the universe and they were just like <laughs> yeah. thrown in dungeons by, by the Catholic Church for years because yeah. they were like no fuck you that's heretical and, and is that kind of thing
0: and that's thing. a
1: really...
0: that's another thing that, I, that we were saying about with like the technology that exists in there
2: mm.
0: is that obviously like, when religion can't explain it or the authority yeah. as they call it can't explain it they're like no heresy. Get rid of it.
1: Yeah, or let's think, or that's the thing with they're both. What's interesting is that it's science versus religion is kind of the central conflict of it. There's the religious side of things, which is Mrs. Coulter and what's going on at Belvanga, and then there's the scientific side of things, which is what Asri was doing. But the twist at the end of this particular, this first story in this season is that they're both fucking evil. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's neither one of them is good. And that's and that's another and it, thing where it's like I'd like it when you compare it to things like Harry Potter where there is very clearly black and white. Yeah there's no black and white in his art materials, it's no. very, very complicated.
0: And that's the thing, like everything that is done, and this continues to be served throughout the entire series of all the books. Everything mm. that continues to be done throughout all of this is shades of grey. Yeah. So you when you look at um what Azrael's doing and you go, right he's an asshole, and then you go actually he's doing it for this reason mm. so does that completely does that make him like a complete monster or what does this make him yeah whereas and then Coulter, she's doing it for like fundamentalist yeah. sides of things so it's this weird sort of balance that's in there and you're like well yeah this person is being led by this and this person is being led by this but then there's a there's i won't say too much there's a character that appears in the second book who mm-hmm. is who becomes like um a parental figure to a character uh but they straddle both science and faith yeah so they they sort of sit across both sides of it and it makes you sort of question things a lot more and you're like oh this is a lot more smartly written than i Actually, yeah. thought it was going to be,
1: and again, like when people dismiss it, and that's kind of the what they the um, issue they fell into in the in making the movie is that they thought of it as being a kids film, or thought of it as being a you know yeah. a, a YA young adventure thing, and all this stuff that we're talking about, which is re- you know science versus religion, which is real deep stuff, none of that was there, and I feel like thank God the series isn't dodging away from that, and they're doing it yeah. properly
0: um, because they are addressing it in the way that. Like some of the things that are upcoming, you can see are going to be addressed in the way that dust yeah. has an effect on this, that and the other. And um, what that means for things that we might not have seen just yet yeah. and see just yet.
1: Well, that was, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about as well. Was that One of the biggest surprises for me in watching the series was the way they weaved in the story differently when I realised that this wasn't a straight adaptation of Northern Lights. It was his Dark Materials. That was the reason the reason the series is called that is because this is an adaptation of the entire trilogy, yeah. And they've weaved in and brought yeah. in. There's basically there's a second protagonist in this series of um, books, which doesn't get who doesn't get introduced until the second book. But, but they make been, a point, like episode three or four, episode or four, or four this? of this series. They go, "Oh yeah, here's will." And I remember, like yeah. when I'm watching it, going, "Oh my god, it's Will." they're actually doing Will and they're showing you what was going because they retroactively like at the beginning of the second book in Subtle Knife they go oh meanwhile whilst Lyra was doing all this stuff and like fighting with the bears and all that stuff meanwhile this was going on and this guy has retro- been
0: picked on at school
1: yeah this and you find out and not only him but also Boreal the guy from the Magisterium who's crossing between worlds and on his trail and all that sort of stuff yeah So that and that, you find out about that after the fact. But rather than save it until series two, they're going to show you it concurrently as it's happening. It's like, oh, shit. I think it makes
0: more sense to do it that way. Because one of of the things that I found with the book was that I found it really jarring that it started in that way.
1: Yeah, no, I It sort of I was
0: like, abruptly brings you back down to earth and you're like, right, here's magic bears and witches and talking animals and souls that have a physical embodiment in a creature that becomes part of a sect of your personality. And then, there's, and yeah. then you're like, and here's a guy who's at school who's getting picked on and his mum's crazy.
1: Yeah, but again, and they're linking it all together because the idea is that it's about who his dad was and what he's got to do with stuff. And like, they thought he was from our, from Lyra's world. He's, in fact, from our world. Yeah. And, uh, but then, again, I can sort of see from, from an outsider's perspective, you're watching this series having not read the books. You must be going through the entire sort of subplot going on with this kid and his mum going, what the fuck has this got to do with anything? Like, yeah. what, why do they, You're midway through like a fight yeah, with all the bears and all the craziness and shit going on in, in Lyra's story, and then they keep cutting to this, this kid in Oxford. And like, what's this got to do with anything? And like, we know, we book readers know that yeah. how important this is, and why it's important that these these two characters need to be set up side by side. But if that's you're part not of the criticism
0: out. that I had about, um, that I have with some of the stuff that's in, in there is that mm. it is a dramatic shift. And it is, there are going to be points that if you're not familiar with the source material, yeah, you're just going to go, this is fucking nonsense
1: yeah and i do feel like yeah i mean and the way it's been received and the and the amount of audience share is like no they they've made this for book readers yeah for better or worse and i i applaud them for that and i feel and what i like as well the fact that they they are obviously confident enough in their story that they are they're already planning ahead for their second series and they'd already started filming it before it even came out cuz they, they were you know talking about things like the young cast, particularly like Daphne and Keane, they were like, Well, we can't wait for her to get older, and then so we're just going to keep plowing on to the point where they even cast Andrew Scott in a very important role, but and he's then not never, in had, it. but he's barely in it. He's in it in a video that someone watches a couple of times, and you go, Is that Andrew Scott? And it's like, He's kind of a big deal at the moment, like, he's just come off flea bag, he's been in loads of stuff, and he everyone knows Moriarty he was Moriarty and all the rest of it. So like, he'll be recognized not only by us, but by like international audiences, particularly off the back of feedback and you're going, and they've got him in just for this one little bit. And you're like, no, they're thinking ahead. Like, I really like the fact that they've already thought about who the like big players are going to be in season two and they've set them up. And it's like, ah, this is like, again, you've really thought about this and I'm, I, yeah, I feel like season two is going to just blow the doors off because people had never seen it. Like, People don't know what happens next because they never made the Salt Knife into a movie. Because the Golden Compass was an absolute flop. But also,
0: there's um, going to be like, uh, like the endings, like specifically the endings. Getting like we're going to get heavily into spoiler territory here.
2: Spoiler 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 Spoiler
0: But when we talk about the fact that Roger is killed at the end of the book,
2: mm.
0: and at the end of um, the series, but it's but not in the film. Mm. I get why you, there's there's a reason why you wouldn't do it in the film because they made it as a kids' film and they didn't want it to be yeah. bleak like it is because yeah. there is this like bleak hopefulness, especially in like the last page of the book where she's like right, and when they say about Lyra and Pantalaimon heading off. Yeah. Into the sort of the, the unknown. Mm. But um that's not addressed at the end of the film. At the end of the at the end of the film, Serafina Pecola talks to Lee Scoresby and says, Oh, she's really important. You need to protect her, you need to be responsible for her because she's responsible for saving all of existence. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, okay, that's a lot to take on board.
1: And, and then it ends. <laughs> Yeah but then I think the one little pathetic thing that I did like is there there was a uh, line that Lyra had where it was like I'm um, like she asked the alethiometer whether she was doing the right thing and the alethiometer yeah. told, told her that she's taking she's bringing her her father exactly what he needs. Yeah. And it's like we know what they're talking about fucking Roger which is evil like cuz again one of the one of the one of the best moments in the whole series, I think, is the end of that penultimate episode where she turns up and finds um, finds Azrael, yeah. and he freaks out that she's there, and then he sees Roger. Yeah, and he just has this look, and again, Mackaboy fucking kills it because just the look on his face is like, I'm so glad you came, and he looks like a fucking wolf about to like eat the kid. Like he just looks
0: wrong, the fucking monster. Like
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh, just, uh, yeah, I love it. I, I do think McAvoy's Math, Math great. I do feel that I always felt, and I felt this with both versions, that I feel like Azriel should be a bit older. Uh, that was just the impression I got from the book. And I think it would have been interesting as well to have him be, there'll be a significant age gap between him and Mrs. Coulter.
0: See, I always sort of put them at the same age.
1: Yeah, see, I think because of the way he is, and the and the sort, of, he's a lord Asriel, and he's just got that authority about him, and that sort of. Because in the book as well, he's very dismissive of her, like and everybody, he's like a complete asshole to everyone in the book. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I won't give you a second thought, kind of thing. They soft, even though they still make him an asshole, they still can't help but soften him a little bit in the in the, <laughs> um, in the TV show. Um, to me, like in my mind, and this is like, so they did a stage play of his Dark Materials. Really? Yeah, yeah, they did it on the West End. Um yeah, this was after the film, I think. Um but in that it was um Timothy Dalton. Okay. Played as real and that to me, that's like spot on. I'd see Timothy Dalton or like maybe uh Ralph Fiennes. Yeah. That sort of age. I'm not saying like an old man. I'm not saying like, you know, Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart, I'm just just a little bit older. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. I, that's a, that's the tricky thing because I always pictured him as being like a um, because they kept talking about how like he just came from money like he yeah. came from old money and he came from wealth and I always pictured him as being this like, like mid to late 30s mm-hmm.
2: um,
0: sort of guy that's a bit like Lara Croft-esque so he's got like his parents money and he just goes around yeah. gallivanting and doing what he wants and being like Oh well, you know, we, I don't need the roles, but I do need the, I do need to. I'm going to sell this priceless artifact so I can go on this dig.
1: Yeah, I don't. Well, obviously you've read the books a lot more recently than I have, so maybe I'm misremembering it. But I just had that mm. idea in my head that he was a bit older. Um, yeah. But I mean, but it is yeah.
0: interesting though because you think about like the way that because uh, Lyra is supposed to be what, ten, eleven? I think tw- I think twelve. Yeah. So it's, like on the cusp of puberty. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if they met, like, because they mentioned that um, Coulter married and, like, she was, they were fairly young. And then I was like, well, that would sort of line up to them to be, like, mid to late thirties.
2: Yeah.
0: And sort of how I pictured it. But obviously, it's going to be different for everyone, isn't it? Like, I'm sure it's different for my girlfriend than it is from what you've got. And then Mm. what it is from, like we say about mine as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that we really do need to talk about in terms of the cast as well is uh, Daphne and King. Daphne, Daphne, Daphne. is Daphne, Daphne, D-A-F-N-E Daphne, Daphne, King. Daphne, I think. Yeah, D- Daphne King, who plays Lyra in the series, is brilliant.
0: She is, do you know, one thing that she is excellent. One yeah. thing that I would say that uh frustrates me about her performance is when they make her too like the book. Oh, really. Yeah, when they start, when she's so when you hear her talk normally, she's got this sort of standard vernacular of yeah. talking one way or the next. But then yeah. when they'll pull out a line from, like from the film, yeah, uh, from the book, and they'll, she'll be like, "Oh, I ain't seen nothing," and it's like, yeah, that, that's, that's like not yeah, how I know the, the characters mean. talking like throughout all the rest of this show.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just they're just. Throw it in there randomly, and like I'm sure there's nothing, there's no doubt in my mind that she could have done that the whole way through. Yeah. If you'd asked her to, I mean, for those who don't know, this is the same girl who was in Logan, <laughs> yeah. Um, who played uh, X23 and was brilliant in that, and was just and like played talking in Spanish. Yeah, and played it Spanish, and then and mute for half of it, and was just this fierce little bit. And then I, that was something else that inc- excited me about this series that when they said that they cast her. And it's yeah. like, oh shit. It was like, if you'd done this 10 years ago, it would have been Maisie Williams. Yeah. But doing it now is her and she's brilliant. And it's like, right, perfect. Um, and she really sells all the emotional stuff and holds her own with Ruth Wilson and James McAvoy and fucking stares them down and does her stuff. And it's, yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. She's um, so, so, so talented.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, her, her dad's in this as well. Did you know that? No. So her dad is, you know, the, like, bald guy who Mrs. Coulter reports to you at the Magisterium? Yeah. Who comes with her and he's... Really? Uh, um, that's uh, Will Keane, who's definitely his dad, yeah.
0: Bloody hell.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, what do you know? But I like, yeah, all the little side characters get more to do. So you get Boreal, who's the guy tracking down Will. He gets more. Um, I think one of the biggest ones that they touched on in the film and didn't go, and. Did nothing with was the whole Seraphina Peccolo and Fardecorum thing. Yeah. So literally, it's one like, like uh, Seraphina Peccolo in the film. Literally, Eva Green just flies in, lands, delivers some exposition, then flies away. Again, and, and then <laughs> turns
0: st- up at the Battle of the
1: Five Armies. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and all the Egyptians looked like the hobbits from the fucking Hobbit. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> um, they've all got fake noses and just giant wigs and weird shit <laughs> um, yeah whereas in this like it doesn't really add anything to the major story but they have this whole backstory about Fardacorum being in love with her and then she doesn't age, he did they had a son who died and they have James Como plays Fardacorum yeah. who was in Game of Thrones you'll probably recognise him from and he like, has these heartbreaking moments where he's you know remembering his Grieving for his son and stuff, and again, that adds nothing to the story.
0: No, but, but it, adds it adds to the, to the world.
1: world. That's yeah. <laughs> we we hang out too
0: much. We do. We we <laughs> we have in I, one another's company uh, too much. God, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but
1: that's me, yeah. She occupies a world for the real people.
0: Yeah. And so everyone end. in there has their own emotions and has their own stuff. Like and when, when a um, backstory and everything. Yeah like one of my two, my two favorite characters from both the book and the show and the yeah. film um, are um Yorick and Lee yeah i think they're fucking brilliant like the way that they played out throughout the the, the played throughout the book and their friendship and the way that they deal with everything is excellent and the yeah, fact home, that they've gone yeah pretty much pretty much um <clears throat> And they're played brilliantly throughout all of this. But one of the things that I really enjoyed in the TV show,
2: and,
0: excuse me, one of the things I enjoyed so much about the TV show was that we got time to spend with um, Lee.
1: Yeah. And Lee was good. So Lee in the, in the series is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Um, and I do feel at the beginning he comes, he's really stagey. Like you know that scene where he comes into the um to the bar, <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like trying to hello gentleman, like waving his arms around. It's like oh you're you're a stage actor aren't you? But yeah, TV. this is, TV.
0: I, this is I, TV. I love that man.
1: <laughs> I know I like yeah he's great. Um, I do feel yeah and again similar to. Um, to um, Asriel I do feel he's a little bit young for the part. I feel like because in the film it's um, Sam Elliott, <laughs> yeah, and he's very different. Like to me, he he should be like um, Han Solo, a la, Um Force Awakens. Oh, okay, he's like he's been doing it for a while. He's an old. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's like he's an old seasoned veteran who's still out there doing it. That kind of age, but yeah. he's a bit more like. But he's cool, and he and he grows on you, yeah, and like yeah, he is really good um and i'll be you know i to see more of it, obviously but um
0: yeah that never really sort of occurred to me actually like not until you pointed it out like lee does seem like a bit more of an old soul than yeah you know, and that's four, that's how four, i always read it you old and, like and i feel like even... miranda does look quite young like he doesn't look like a man of his age
1: no he doesn't that's what, that's what i mean and that, i think even like um because you, you know, Philip Pullman has had involvement in both of these adaptations to a point where, so like his casting stuff. So he wanted Nicole Kidman and convinced her to do it. And yeah. he said previously that he thinks Sam Neill is the most perfect spot on bit of casting for from the film.
0: Sam Elliot,
1: Sam Elliot. Did I say Sam Neill? I meant, yeah, Sam Elliott. even. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's who he and his mind. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, it's not to say Lynn doesn't do a good job. I just feel like it's not quite what I had in mind. Um, the only thing that where I feel the series doesn't is sort of a bit of a failure is that it doesn't do justice to the demons and the concept of the demons.
0: Yeah, that's, that's another thing I had a concern about was that there was so little there weren't enough pan in there.
1: Mm. Um, and not and even I that, think so, I mean,
0: it can be quite a confusing, like, especially in the book, it can be quite confusing when they've both got that you sort of have to take it on writ that they've got different opinions, but what it that doesn't say that they've got different opinions, it represents the conflict that that character has.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that but I feel like it's why they really do.
0: difficult to explain that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Without it's,
0: just sort of like just word souping the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a difficult concept to get across. Like, because I'm I'm watching it again as a book reader, and you see there are scenes where you know Pan is scared to go somewhere, and he's saying, "Like, I don't want to go, Lyra. I'm scared." And she's trying to go. That is Lyra's fear talking to herself. It's like if you could like personify that voice inside your head, who you have yeah. arguments with. That's there. So you've got to remember that when, they, although they are two separate things, it's you're having that converse, argument with yourself. Exactly. So and like it, a lot it's of- really,
0: really hard to sort of encompass that yeah. in sort of a televisual medium rather than then, just being able to put it on the page and being like the conflict yeah. that exists within this one consciousness that is split across two entities.
1: Yeah. Um, but I feel, yeah, they needed to. And not only, I think more so in the world building, like, because there are so many instances where you're watching it and it's people and people talking and stuff, and you go, where are their demons? Like there should be animals everywhere. There should be for every person on screen, there should be an animal nearby. And there's so many times where you just can't see any. And I feel like because <laughs> what what that would be, you know, when you get to the end and you see what people look like when they haven't got demons, that should feel wrong. Like because yeah. that's what that's something they get in the book as well. Is that when people see there's someone who doesn't have a demon, they're scared of them because it's just wrong. It's yeah. just it just like they feel like, sick. Exactly, they can't deal with it. And like that, they need to. To build that in, they need to just show more people with demons. Because like, like that scene, like I was talking about when um, we first meet Lee and he goes into the bar. He yeah. goes into the bar and there's Hester, who's his um, hare, who follows him around, and there's all these guys in there. So it's like a packed bar for the people, but like, where are the animals? Yeah. There should be yeah. an animal for everything. Like, are they all birds? Because I feel like there's a lot of birds, and you can, yeah. you're just. Going on oh, no, as a bird, though it's fine. Like no, they can't all be birds, can they? Come one on.
0: thing they offer, they mention in um the Belle Sauvage is when they talk about like pubs and stuff, because the war, the lead protagonist of La Belle Sauvage, um, works in a pub. Okay. Um, and what's a pub? <laughs> uh, don't. That's one thing I'm really missing. <laughs> um, and I live very close to one, and I want to go. And might yeah. just break in they um, do it, eh? but um uh yeah it works in a pub and what they one of the things that the Bell Savage is really really good at is it explains a little bit more about like um demons and their connections and they explain away certain things that happen within that they say oh this is why some people like this end up with um demons that are like this and this is why people yeah, like like, there are people bits like, in there.
1: like i think i remember one of it being like servants tend to have dogs
0: like yeah the people that and are that like kind of people yeah. that like work and people that are more obedient um tend to sort of settle with dogs but then also some you will get people that are leaders that also have dogs because every every leader of a bat like every dog pack has a leader mm so it's like it's not always cut and shut and they're like yeah you know you'll get you'll see like people learn to judge people by um like what their demon is as well as um so when people like so there's an awful lot of cats yeah like cats are a very very common demon Mm. and then it's like like cats and dogs and birds are very common demons so people like you say about like the Egyptians, for example it's very very common that they have like um like marine birds yeah so gulls and terns and herons and sort of all sorts of things like that and then um when you sort of see about like the magisterium and stuff they tend to have like snakes and rats and insects and stuff yeah that is it's fairly you know it's a bit on the nose in some places but then they explain about like how people in the magisterium are like they are that sort of person that's frightened of being trodden on and like they they do believe that they are much smaller than everything that's around them and yeah um that they have less of a um an impact on that environment where they exist mm. so it does like a lot of these things make sense but it does uh also at the same time like lead you to think that like you say when you go into the bars and stuff like when they talk about La Belle savage there's like there's a badger there's a fox there's a this there's a this there's a this and then there's like spoiler alert there's one character that really stands out because their demon is a hyena
1: yes yeah i've heard about that yeah.
0: and people like people are very uncomfortable because it's so different that yeah. people have never seen a hyena demon before and they're like why does this make me feel so uncomfortable
1: yeah and then you hear like i think there was one like a story that is like not a main character but something a story that someone told to explain it in the, one of the books where someone's got a dolphin as a demon. <laughs> yeah. And therefore it means they're basically there. I have to spend the rest of my life on the sea because I can't. because yeah. that's the other thing that they, they fail, I think a little bit in the show is the idea that you can't get far away from your demon.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Not, but they're not quite consistent with that. Like sometimes Lyra will go into another room and Pam will be in one room and you go, well, how far what's the distance? How far away can you be? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they stretch so they, that. And they,
0: they, yeah that's it's difficult isn't it because it's again it's, it's what makes it hard to translate into sort of television yeah. i'll
1: tell you what they, i think the demons that they do do i think they do really well so like you know pan's good when you see him and i think the the way they did um mrs colt's monkey yeah that whole relationship is really good because there are so many like little pieces where you see just two of them interacting and is basically the they sort of show that the monkey is like her sentimentality or her like the soft elements of her and every time she's getting a little bit like that and like the monkey will go to like reach and hold her hand and she'll just slap him away and she's like it, it's like she has an abusive relationship with the monkey and then you go well wait a minute the monkey is representative of part of herself and it's like fuck me that's really fucked up like she must hate herself so much because the way she treats this her soul this is her soul and like and she treats him like shit it's like fuck yeah. there's so many implications to that um, yeah it's such a great idea the demon idea but I feel like they didn't quite fulfil it, it as best ri- as they yeah again.
0: and it's I think they could have done a bit better here or there but at yeah. the same time it's one of those things where it's just so difficult to do it effectively yeah but then you go oh I mean they do a pretty good job with yeah. most of this stuff. Yeah. So I should be. And you be realize, okay. and again,
1: I mean, I think a lot of it is down to the budget, and it's a TV budget. Um, and you realize that, like, particularly, like, so, like, the big, there's a big battle at Anger and it's not much of a battle in the TV show. And the TV show is literally just a couple of corridors. In the movie, it's just CGI nonsense. <laughs> um, although, and in it,
0: the book, it's like, it's more of like a, a prison break sort of thing. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, right, well, we need to get here and we need to do this, which they they successfully show that in the in the TV show. But because it's done on such a small scale and it's clearly mm. done on a sound stage somewhere, you go, mm, I don't know if this completely lands.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a shame. It, and like yeah, you, you get, get the sense that like, you see a little glimpse of um, Yorick having a fight. But then you, that's the thing. You get to the next episode and they have a full-on bear fight between two CGI <laughs> yeah. giant CGI bears with CGI fur. And you go, okay, that's where the money went.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that was my next point is that we're about to talk about uh, the fact that they have an entirely CGI polar bear who's walking around talking, having a chat. Nobody bats an eyelid. And even in the film, like, the visual effects are great. And you're like, no, that's where the money's gone.
1: Yeah, well, I think in the film, though, I think maybe that's just an indication of how far we've come since 2007. In the film, they looked like cartoons to me. Like, I'm watching it in the film, and it's like, this looks like a Coca-Cola advert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, in, in, uh, uh, you're probably right, but I, I watched it on an iPad.
1: Right, that uh, might have something to do with it.
0: It didn't look <laughs> really- It didn't look entirely bad.
1: No. um, I mean, yeah, the bear stuff is a whole other, again, and it just adds to the riches of the world. It doesn't necessarily, and it will Mm. come back. But it just, they make a point of explaining this whole other culture of bears and how the bears work and the armour and what the armour means to them. And yeah, and it's a whole other separate thing, which they do, they spend a lot more time on in in the show. um, And it's all the better for it. Um, even yeah. little things like again, like they have scenes. So she has a scene with the um, the king of the bears, um, where she's trying to convince him that she's a demon, and she's like, she she has to tell him something that only he she should he would know or something like that, isn't it? Mm. And then in the in the film, they go, "How did I become king?" And she goes and says, "Oh, you did this." And it's like I'd really, like a sanitized version, and then it goes in the. Show it's like it is in the book, and they ask, "What was the first creature I killed?"
2: (laughs) And the answer
1: is your own father. It's like fuck. Like again, that like is in a nutshell. That sums up the difference between the two
2: versions. (laughs) It's like that's
1: like they're not pulling any punches in the in the show. Um, And again, that's a great moment for Daphne King because again, you can only imagine she's probably acting against nothing, or you know, a guy with a tennis ball, but she looks terrified of it. Yeah, yeah, but she's like terrified and intimidated by this bear but holding her ground and like she's just got this great fortitude and she's but she's acting against nothing because but she's great.
0: Yeah, it's just she's excellent. It's like one of the main things that I would always say about this show is just how brilliant. Pretty much I don't think you know, I know you were saying about like Lynn. Being, yeah,
1: so, like, I mean, his, I say he's great, he, he's just a little bit miscarted from my what's in my own head, but that's not to yeah. say he's bad,
0: yeah, and that's the thing, it's like there's no bad casting in this.
1: I think the only one who's who isn't particularly good is um Tony Costa. Uh, oh no, yeah, no, he, he's bad. He's I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, he's, he's just that is an actor, a child. I don't like to have a go because he's a child actor or whatever, but he's you know, a teenager and he's just <laughs> not. Very good. <laughs> you could have like,
0: done better. You went yeah. rather
1: Yeah, exactly. And he's just a bit he's very I don't know, wooden. not um, <laughs> but like yeah, and again, but <laughs> they're like they, they flesh out Mark Oster and her whole backstory, which is again something they didn't do in the in the film, like she turns up and's like, We've been looking after you, Lyra, and you go, Why? <laughs> yeah. What have I got to do with anything? Yeah. And then in, in the show they explain why she's important, not only to them but to Mark Oster specifically. And yeah. why she like and they really get into all that it's like, right, makes sense. And this this is why all, all books should be adapted into TV shows, not films.
0: Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> unless you yeah. do something like Peter Jackson did with all the rings and give it the time. Like if they made a three hour version of the Golden Compass, it could have been spectacular.
0: I still but don't gonna... think it would have
1: No, no, it still wouldn't have had still would have had to cut a lot. But yeah. if you'd given it like again, like you think about, compare it to Fellowship of the Ring. Like how much time do they spend in the Shire establishing who they yeah. all are? Yeah, good like point. that's the first forty-five minutes of that film. If you'd spent the same amount of time establishing Oxford and Lyra and her friends and Roger and why that's an important relationship, it could have then paid off in hour three. Do you know what I mean you yeah, could
0: do bad that? Point. Right, it is.
1: It's tricky, especially
0: it was a big risk, though, wasn't it? Because, you know, it is this great anti religious piece mm. that, um, you know, people do have serious umbrage with because it literally says in the book that religion
1: um, mm. was a big mistake. <laughs> well, like, no, the, the end of this, of again, this is, we're well past spoiler territory now, but the, the end of the series and the end of the book, which they completely omitted from the movie. Um, is Asriel goes off to fight God. Yeah, pretty much. He said, Let, "Let's go to the source and ask him what the fuck's going on." Like he's really aggressive. Like, like <laughs> yeah. And that's that's. Uh,
0: yeah. We could get, get so much into the lore of this, but I don't yeah. want to. That's
2: yeah. what
0: that's what's troubling about the the fact that we've only seen the first here. Yeah, because there is stuff that comes up in the third book that I'm like. I really need to talk about this.
1: I know. I'm, I'm really, the last thing, I'm just excited that they've got past this part of the story in this version of the adaptation. It yeah. wasn't without its troubles and it it's not a perfect one, but it's so much better than what we got before. I'm um, just more than anything. I'm just excited to see the next bit yeah, and for other people to see it, because that's when you really get into the meat of what this is all about. Um, and this this first chapter is it's kind of dressed up in the because it's got the bears and the little girl going on an adventure and riding a polar bear and all that sort of stuff. That yeah. people have got an idea in their head of what it is. And I think once you start to get like once the trailer for series two drops, people will go, "Oh fuck, it's about that." And like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it's about. Yeah. Go watch series one. <laughs> Read the books. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we'll finally get to the meat of the whole thing um and it will be good so i think next year we'll come back because my understanding is that because they were already in production on series two yeah it hasn't been affected by the, all the shutdowns and the covid stuff so it means that in theory we should still be getting series two tail end of this year
0: yeah um, that's that's well, well uh, my girlfriend and i were reading about it so mm. we were talking about um like when it ended, we were like, "Oh my God, I really hope that this hasn't been affected by what's happening here."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were and, already committed they were already in fil- you know filming series two before series one even started airing. On it's CD. in
0: post-production.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're So already, they're actually—they're
0: so literally—they're doing the visual effects now, and they're saying we're doing this as fast as we possibly can because we are definitely going to get this out by the
1: end of the year. So at the end of the year then basically what we're gonna get is we're gonna and we're gonna get this and the Mandalorian season two. Fuck. So they're both gonna be around the same sort of time. Oh um God. Yeah, exactly. They're doing it. You crazy son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> He's acting. My God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think I don't know. That kind of wraps it up, really. Like we've yeah. kind of, we both really enjoy the show. Like it's got we've got our reservations. It's a great show. The film is okay. Yeah. But if you've any respect for the source material, or would like to act, or have any interest, if you've seen the film and you weren't that interested, or you're a bit curious, watch the show or read the books.
1: Yeah, and I would say yeah. I think for people who maybe found the show hard going or found it too slow it might be worth picking trying the book or yeah. pushing through i think if you can push through just episode four that's where things pick up um and you get like the, the more visually stunning bit and then you re i think you, retroactively you realize why you need to have those early episodes the way they were it's a bit like the wire you get through the first season so you can get through the rest of it <laughs> okay
2: I've but never you need the it wire.
1: So. But, yeah, but you need it, because otherwise you don't understand who everyone is. Like you need to understand, you need to watch series one, otherwise you don't know who McNulty is and what makes him tick. Right. It's that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I feel that like it's a set-up for better things to come, but in, in its own right, it's fucking brilliant, amazingly acted, amazingly shot, and is a worthy adaptation of the source material. Yeah. Um, I can't yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah. One.
1: And the, I mean, yeah, Philip Pullman is an executive producer on this show, Mm-hmm. um he's he's far more involved in this than I feel like he was on the on the film um and you can tell that they're thinking long term they're thinking right well we're going to tell we're going to do this trilogy we're going to do it in three series in order for us to do that that means we have to do some will stuff in series one to sit, so that we could have more time going for like they're all they're really thinking thinking it through
0: yeah definitely um, because the fact that with all the will stuff like that would have been another four episodes of Scene setting,
1: or even well, I think they could have probably they would have done one episode. Like at the beginning of series two, would have been a whole episode dedicated to Will, and then that would have just piss people off in a similar way to the book, because you'd be like, "What the hell's this? What's it got to do with Lyra?" I'm yep. watching the same show. I remember when I first when I picked up the Subtle Knife, I was like, "I feel like I've read our sequence now." Is the Amazigh <laughs> supposed to come first? Yeah, because I don't know who this guy is. And I feel like I'm meant to know who he is. <laughs> like. But they've already They've already sorted that problem out by the way they've structured it. So yeah, fair play. Um, yeah. And they've already like even the like I say the casting of putting Andrew Scott in there before he's even had anything to do. Like <laughs> yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Brilliant. It's brilliant, isn't it? Like they've just snuck him in, and now so now we're we're at a point now where we're going to have McAvoy, Andrew Scott, Ruth Wilson, like. <laughs> It's a stacked deck they're working with. Them right now.
0: They're doing, they know what they're doing. Like they've really thought this through. And the fact that it's like a joint production between BBC yeah. and HBO.
1: I think that's interesting as well because my understanding is that HBO came in later in the game when it was like the BBC were already in production and they were already like into it and HBO came in after the fact.
0: Well, that's something because BBC, I don't think BBC has the same clout in America. Like I know it has BBC America and it has stuff like, Oh, it has, like, Sherlock and it has Doctor Who, but it's all seen as a bit twee. Yeah. So the fact that when you put, like, one of the biggest names in, in Hollywood television and you're putting the calibre of money behind it that they had with, like, Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah. But I feel like that, they, may have, they probably helped with some of the visual effects stuff, like the post-production the post money. Yeah. But I feel like when you get into season two, that's when you'll start seeing that real HBO money getting thrown around. Like God, that's where, oh, God, like, yeah. like, if HBO had been involved from the very beginning, I don't think we would have had the same problems with the demons. I think there would have been a lot more CGI demons everywhere. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then now uh, that we're getting into, like, we we've heard there was a hint at the end of this where they said, "Oh, I asked Leviathan a question. What was the answer?" Apparently, there's a knife in a tower guarded by angels, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Or what? Hmm? Like, Wait. tell me more.
0: <laughs> no, go on.
1: No, that's what the that's what the lead your answer said. I don't know what it means. I'm like, I do.
0: <laughs> we all do. And we've <laughs> we seen do. it. Like we've yeah. seen a flash image like here and there. Like. Yes.
1: Yeah, and, we did. Uh, and, like when as Will's going through the portal, um, you see where he's going a little bit, didn't you? You yeah. get a little glimpse of it. It's like, oh my god, they're doing it. They're fucking
0: yeah, doing that, it. That that was Yeah. That was a bit <laughs> bit weird. Like when I got to that stage in the book and I was like this is a bit Dark Tower now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that was, again, another sort of a thing that twisted the whole bit. Like, you feel like you're reading this story about this fantasy world that's completely separate from yours and then you get to book two and they go, and this is your world. I'm like, nope. oh shit. <laughs> well, yeah. this is not like anything I've read before. Usually, it's like, there's a very clear differentiation when you're a kid. You read stuff that's complete fantasy or stuff that's set in the real world Yeah, and there's not usually a crossover. But then this no. one did. And then you're like, oh shit. Well, what am I reading then? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah and I, I yeah honestly like i'm i think i might go back i might go back and give them a read again because yeah one of the things that i was saying to my girlfriend about was that i really enjoyed um my favorite book is actually the first mm. um like it's not um like the other ones are great but at the same time like the the way that i was brought into the world and it moved at a steady pace and Introduced all this magic and wonderment was brilliant. And I felt the same, felt similar with La Belle Sauvage. Mm. Like, the, the, uh, I was about to do a massive spoiler there. Um, mm-hmm. Like, some of the stuff that happens in the further books is great and is brilliant, but it gets a little bit too big for me. And some of well, it makes less sense, which we'll probably get to in three years. Um, but we'll also talk about offline because yeah. spoilers.
1: yeah definitely yeah um but yeah. but yeah all right well um thanks for, so i'm hoping i'm probably gonna i want to go back and do the um do the books as well hopefully this year i can sort of get and again get through them all again and then yeah, that'll the be a, a i
0: might pick up i might pick up golden compass um mm. northern lights
1: yeah um yeah and then we we'll, we'll pick this up next year so it will be interesting once once series 2 is, is out and we're um, we're at that point then it'll be good to just have an episode talking about just that yeah. um so yeah thanks for listening in the meantime if you haven't checked out um isdam's heroes give it a go yeah um, definitely
0: really get into it as well because it, it's so deep and the the lore hmm. in there is it's not like i know we've spoken around it being not really being young adult and it, and it really isn't because it's a lot deeper than that and but don't be intimidated by that it's not as in depth and as incomprehensible as a lot of the athea and mythia and whatever you're going to get in Lord of the Rings It's not as in depth as that it's There's a lot of very interesting stuff in there that you can pick up with a little bit of thought rather than having to have some sort of almanac yeah to accompany you so but definitely really get involved in this like this because they're doing so well with the show that you're not losing anything in between yeah so i think it's really effective
1: absolutely yeah um yeah so definitely um get involved in this This is something that especially as we're all locked down, this is a good thing to sort of delve into it's very yeah meaty um Mm. But we are going to continue, obviously, putting these shows out. We've got a few more bits and pieces we want to catch up on, maybe some more TV, maybe some more movies. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if there's anything that you want us to cover, that you think that we should cover um, in a similar way, then give us a shout. Um, send us We're contactable via email and on um, all the different places where you see the posts go out. So anywhere on Facebook and yeah. on uh, Instagram, all those places, you can just reply to that. Um, and other than that, thanks for listening, guys. Um, and we will see you on whatever the next one is.
0: Yeah, we'll see you on the next one, and it'll be a surprise what it is because I don't yes. remember what it is yet.
1: No, we will be able. It could be anything. Could be anything. We'll do. We're Lucy goosey, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lucy goosey. Lucy goosey. Oh, that was something that I wanted to talk about. What? Ah, the um, uh, the change of Serafina Peckler's.
1: Oh, yeah, she had a goose. Deep. That's true.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Because was they like, already Hey, had... that was a goose before.
1: It's because they already had the model of a, of a bird, didn't they? So it was easy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah. like, I saw a Reddit post that was like... They explained it perfectly. And I'm like, oh, fine. Of course, yeah. It makes sense. Should have yeah. been goose, though. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: Um, anyway, anyway, it's a good series. Watch it. What would your demon be? I knew you could ask that. What would my demon be? Um...
0: My girlfriend told me mine would be a badger.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's not bad. Yeah. Um, Sometimes a bit grumpy,
0: sometimes a bit busy. like your own space. like to just get on and do things. (laughs) And I'm like, oh you do know me. Hmm. What would
1: mine be? I don't know. Some sort of like... Ferret. Angry ferret. Ferret. Wherever it is, it's (laughs) (laughs) ill-tempered. (laughs) i was gonna say an ill-tempered monkey but an ill-tempered ferret works just as well it doesn't matter as long as as it starts with the word ill-tempered and then whatever (laughs) whatever animal insert animal here it's fine
0: you know what you you would be you'd be a grumpy old farm dog
1: yeah like like a a sheep dog who doesn't do anything to do with sheep anymore
0: so just a dog then (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah like very loyal very nice great fun to be around but a bit grumpy,
1: but leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, give him. But some at the same time, fuck off. He might bite you. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm happy with that. But then, <laughs> does that make, does that make me a servant then? If I have a dog demon? No, I will deal with this later.
0: <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about this another time.
1: <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys.
0: Yeah, cheers for listening. Cheers. See you next time. Bye. 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 It's just gonna make me sound like a bit of a perv. um but there's there's a man who walks around Ocean Village with a dog, and I keep um, taking a picture of him and his dog. Because,
1: yeah, well, I mean, I, it's not so I've much
0: him tested. I'm taking the picture of, it's, it's his dog, but because it's a small dog on a lead, I have to take a picture of him too.
1: Right. And when you're doing that, are you in the bushes? with a telescopic lens or
0: like any self-professed oh, yeah. pervert
1: like oh, oh right yeah no I, i'm talking about where you're taking the i assumed you had your dick in your hand but you were already past that oh
0: point. okay ah then um that was, that's a given tom no, with, with, you know, just, time. i'm just there i'm just i'm just there like it's social distancing like i'm not gonna hide in a bush in case someone else is in there and then like oh hi, and then you have to make small talk. But you're like oh, should we have to keep two meters apart? How do we do that in the bush? And you know, it's COVID contained in semen? I don't know. Like, it's, it's it's too it's too difficult. Like, the kink community is really suffering at this point. Between yeah. the, like all of the dogging sites being shut down, it's just impossible to get any sort of cott- cottaging movement going at the moment. It's just You know, all of my hobbies, all
2: of my, all of my hobbies. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. What can you do, eh?
0: mate? Fucking proper though.